chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and we'll read from verse 1 down to verse 9. So if you're there now, I'll read. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1 to verse 9. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will tell you. He will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Now this is the beginning of what is called the Song of Moses. Moses is drawing in to a final message to the people of Israel before Moses himself dies. And interestingly, if you read earlier in chapter 31, Moses says, I'm going to pass down a song to you. I want you to sing the song from generation to generation. And he says, this song is going to stand as a witness against you when in the future, your children and their children's children is going to turn away from God. It's going to stand as a witness against you. So a very sober thing, isn't it? A very serious thing. And we read right at the beginning of Moses beginning this song. And this morning from that nine verses we've just read, I want to point out to us two things. The character of God and his dealings with mankind. That's number one. And from there, I want us to see the character of sin and the evilness of sin in light of the character of God. Those are the two things I want us to consider this morning. And on that first point, if you look right there from verse 3 to verse 4, you can see Moses in his song he talks about who God is and what he is like and how he deals with human beings, specifically here with Israel. Read with me again. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. See, there's Moses' description, praise of the character and nature and ways of God. He's a great God. Ascribe greatness to him because he deserves it. It belongs to him. And when we look at verse 4 of, well, what does this God do? This God who we can call the rock. This unchangeable God on whom we can rely on. Who will never change. You think about the idea of rock. Rocks don't change. What is, he, what is he like when he deals with people? Well, we see his work is perfect. We see all his ways are justice. We see he's a God of faithfulness. There is no iniquity. That kind of old-fashioned word meaning there's no wrong, there's no sin, there's no evil, there's no crookedness in what he does. 
in essence, Moses is saying this great God who never changes, everything he does is good and perfect, and there is nothing wrong in them. And more specifically, Moses is saying to all the Israelites through that song, not only that generation that's alive then, but in the successive generations to come, he is saying to them, all that God has done to you, there is nothing wrong in all that he has done. Everything he has done to you is perfect and filled with justice. He has never wronged anybody, and he is not wronging you now, and he never will wrong any human being. That's what he's saying. His ways are perfect. And he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the way he deals with human beings based on his perfect and faithful character is that he will never, ever wrong any human being. That's true of the Israelites. And Moses in 7 and 8 of this, these verses specifically brings to mind for them how God had been blessing their fathers and bringing them out of Egypt, leading them and doing all these wonderful things, all of which were blessings and gifts and grace. And him just reminding them, God has never once wronged you. Now, my friend, there is the first point from this chapter. So clear, isn't it? So simple. That first point that God never does wrong to anybody, which means, think about your life up to this point. God has never, ever done wrong by you. God has never, ever done something that can be called unjust. God has never given you something that you don't deserve. You have never suffered anything in your life that can be charged to God's wrongdoing. That God should not have allowed me to go through that. That's what this passage is showing us about the character of God. You see, we as human beings, especially in our day, in our culture of self, we feel so often we are suffering things we don't deserve. That God is doing things to us that we shouldn't be having to go through. And in fact, there's so many things more that I deserve. Why doesn't God give that to me? That is the prevailing attitude of our day and culture. And my dear friends, every single one of you, no doubt, has experienced those feelings and thoughts of, I don't deserve this. And I know I deserve that. How come I don't have that? And the idea there is that God, His work is not perfect, at least not in regards to my life. His ways are not all justice, at least not in regards to my life. No, that, that can't be right because there are things in my life that I deserve that I'm not getting. And there are things I've gone through, maybe I'm going through now, I don't deserve to go through that. God has wronged me in allowing me all of these things in my life. Now, my dear friends, why do people feel that way? How is it that that thought and attitude can be so nestled in our human minds to the point where we are willing to say that God is not perfect? God is being unfair and unjust in doing those things to us. Well, I think it's very clear. Just dig a little bit under the surface. You ask the question, well, hang on a second. Why do you feel that you deserve these things? Why do you feel it's right and just for you to have these things? In the end, my dear friends, it is because of one's view of oneself. It's how you think of yourself and your worth and your, what you deserve, isn't it? When somebody says, I deserve this and I'm not getting it, 
They're making a statement about their own character, their own worth, what they deserve based on who they are and what they've accomplished. That's the statement they're making. And what they're saying to God is because of A, B, and C, whatever it is, they might fill in the space. Oh, Lord, because I go to church every Sunday, surely I deserve a promotion at work. Because I do this and that, I try to be a good person. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. Don't look at my thoughts, though, but I haven't done all of those actions. They're making statements about their worth and their deserts before God. I deserve, and therefore, I should have. Do you see that, my dear friends? It is how one views their own self, their character, their achievements, and therefore what they deserve before God. Therefore, in that pride and arrogance, human beings can dare to think of God, who is so great as to be the one who has made them, created them, who sustains them. They can say to him, you are not doing right by me. You are not perfect. Your ways are not justice because I'm going through difficulties in my life that I don't deserve. Now, we have to think of this seriously because there are many sufferings in this world that are not caused as a direct response or actions of the person themselves. But my dear friends, that doesn't mean that we stand in a place where we are undeserving of certain sufferings and things because we as a human race, altogether, we are under sin. We are under this curse of God because we have turned away from God collectively. Right in the beginning with Adam and Eve and all throughout our history. And just think about in your own life all the different ways that we have turned away from God. Well, that brings us to our second point. In light of the character of God that He has never done wrong by any human being. Well, we've got to consider then what is our character in order to have the complete picture. How can we say that God has never done wrong by us when the fact is many of us and many people around the world suffer unspeakable things, things that are terrible, that almost you wouldn't bear to imagine happening. Well, my friends, we read in verse 5 and verse 6 the charge that Moses gives for the response of human beings to God and especially here with Israel. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They're crooked and a twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Moses is pointing fact to the pointing force to the fact that our response to God is one of a corrupt response. It's a twisted response. It's an evil response. He's using words which are moral. He's talking about the fact that it's an evil and wicked thing that we respond to God with. So here on one side, we have the character of God. He has never done evil by any human being, right? He is the one who created you. He made you. He gives you life. Every breath you have ever taken comes from God and not because you deserve it. Then think about how you have responded to God throughout your life. Well, let's think about it a little bit, just with common sense. If you owe to someone your entire life, what do they deserve from you? Surely, all of your gratitude, all of your thanks and praise, 
all of your trust and reliance? What have you returned to God who created you and who sustains you? Have you really loved Him from the bottom of your heart and been grateful to Him every single second of your life? No, you have not. Because the Bible shows us so clearly that every human being has not given God the thanks that He deserved. Has not even thought twice about the fact that God has made them and given them life. They go on through their lives assuming that they deserve life with no reference to God whatsoever. In fact, many people in our day will say to you very openly, it doesn't even matter if God exists. You go say that to your parents who have spent their whole lives raising you and you say to them, it doesn't matter to me whether or not you live or die. You see the evil and wickedness of our attitude to God. That we can dare to think of Him who gives us life. I don't even care if you exist or not. I'm simply going to take this life that you give me and simply enjoy it all, thinking that I deserve it. See, my friends, the Bible shows us, because of the character of God, His faithfulness, all of that shows us all the more clearly our wickedness in our attitude to Him. That naturally, every single one of us do not thank Him as we ought. We're not grateful to Him. We do not love Him. We do not praise Him as we should. We do not embrace Him as the Father who gives us life. What dear wickedness all of that is. And my dear friends, the Bible also tells us this about the character of God. That He is a God of justice and righteousness. He is a good God who will not stand evil to exist forever. There will come a day where every human being will answer for their wickedness against this God. They will answer for their evil in dealing like this against Him. You can see there in verse 6, Moses' question that pierces right to the heart. Do you thus repay the Lord? Is this how you treat Him? My friends, that question ought to strike in every single one of you that conviction of, I deserve judgment. We deserve it from God's hand. Is that how we've repaid God? If somebody were to treat me like that, if I gave them everything and they turned around and spat in my face, I would think that this person is so wicked and evil. Surely they deserve some kind of recompense, some kind of punishment. My friends, that is how every single one of us has treated God. That is how every single one of you has responded to God naturally in your presumptions and in your pride, in thinking that you deserve more than what you have, in not giving to God His due thankfulness and gratefulness. Have you dealt with that fact? Has that truth really landed in your heart? My question is, has these things, have you realized these things? Are you convinced about this fact? That you have so wronged God in all the ways that you've lived life that you deserve nothing but His punishment. That's the question I'm asking you. You have been so corrupt in how you've dealt with Him. You've not given Him your full heart of love and gratefulness as He deserves to have because He gives us all these wonderful things that we enjoy life itself because we haven't deserved it. And then it gives us this reason to ask a question well where does all of that leave us the character of god he's perfect 
He will deal with us according to justice. We have not done right by Him. We have been so ungrateful, so wicked and so evil in our response. Where does that leave us? My friends, it's the most amazing thing that the story doesn't end there. Read with me verse 9. But the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob, His allotted heritage. You know, Moses, he charges the Israelites with guilt, doesn't he? Moses says to every one of them, you are guilty before God because of your ungrateful heart, because of your lack of love and worship to God. You're guilty. You deserve punishment according to his justice. And then in verse 9, he can say, but we, the people of God, are his heritage, his inheritance. Jacob is his allotted heritage. What is what is Moses saying? That God has said his people is his own possession, his own inheritance. It's the most incredible thing. It's natural for Moses to say, the Lord is your inheritance. What does he mean by inheritance? You know, your, your, um, your wealth, everything that you're looking forward to, he's yours, he belongs to you. He's your worth in life. But for Moses to say that you are his inheritance means that Moses is saying God views you, his people, as his treasured possession. As something of such dear value and worth that he will not bear to lose you. He will take you to be with himself for all eternity. God will not lose out on his own inheritance. His own heritage that he has claimed he will surely have. There's the hope that Moses gives to the people of Israel on that day. That God's people, God will take and rescue to himself. Well, that leaves us now saying, how do I know if I'm part of that people? How can I know that promise of God that he will take in his people as his inheritance? How can I know it's true of me personally? I'm not an Israelite. I don't belong to Jacob. I'm not, he's not my ancestor. That's probably true of all of us who don't have Jewish descent. Where are we to turn? Well, my dear friends, we praise God for the full revelation of his word. Because in the New Testament, we have the full message of God given to us clearly over and over and over again. And I'll just explain what God is saying from one verse. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. And the context there is the Apostle Paul is dealing specifically with people who are saying, you want to be part of God's people? You better follow the Old Testament customs and get circumcised and obey all the laws of Moses. You better become in every way culturally and religiously like a Jewish person. Then and only then can you claim to be part of God's people. The Apostle Paul was dealing exactly with such people who put the emphasis upon what they did and their religious observance. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and we who put no confidence in the flesh. You see, that's Paul's description of God's people. There are people who are worshiping God by the Spirit of God. They're relying on God's help. They're trusting in God's Holy Spirit within them. They are those who are glorying in Christ Jesus. Oh, I love that phrase. Jesus is everything to them. I glory in Jesus. 
Take everything else from me. But Christ, he's everything. I can't wait to tell everyone around me, Jesus is everything. He's so good to me. He's everything. They glory in Christ Jesus. They rely on him alone to make them right with God. They trust everything to Christ in his death and his resurrection. They glory in Christ Jesus and they put no confidence in the flesh. In contrast to these people who are saying, you need to do all of this, get circumcised, obey the Sabbath, keep all of these festivals, make sure you do everything according to those Old Testament laws. Paul understood the good news of God in the fullest revelation of, of that message. He says, no, God is calling us to trust in Jesus and to stop trusting in everything else. To stop putting your confidence in the flesh, which means things that you can do, things that you can naturally achieve by your effort. Stop putting any confidence in that. Because by definition, to glory in Christ Jesus is to stop glorying in anything else. To not rely on what you are doing to make you right with God. To not rely on what you know to make you right with God and all of your great and theological insight. To stop relying on all of your efforts. Oh God, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to go to church. Surely you'll accept me there. No, Christians are people who put no confidence in those things of the flesh. But they glory in Christ Jesus. They rely on the Spirit of God to worship God. That is Paul's description of we are the circumcision. We are the people of God. He's saying people who believe with all of their heart in Jesus Christ, crucified for them and raised in glorious power, it is they to whom this promise belongs. That means this morning, dear friends, though the Bible charges every single one of you with immense guilt, that you will face God and His justice the day you die, there is a salvation that is offered to you. God says, any one of you, this morning, if you've never believed before, but you believe now, and you trust everything to Jesus, the Son of God that has been sent to be crucified in the place of sinners, to be raised from the grave to life eternal, God says, this morning, if you would trust in Christ, he calls you his own heritage. He says to you, you are my inheritance. I will take you to be with myself. I'm not going to lose you. I count you as my valuable treasure. Can anything more wonderful be said of us by God himself? The very one we've wronged. The very one we've so sinned against. Yet in his grace and love, he says to us, believe in my son. I will call you my inheritance because you're part of my people. I will have my people. I will have them. They're my heritage. That, my friends, is the glorious news that is to be proclaimed to all the world. And this morning, you have heard it. You've heard it explained from the Bible, from this passage, from Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. So believe, come to God, trust in Christ, and know Him as your loving Heavenly Father. Know Christ as your loving Savior. Why refuse Him? The alternative, if you refuse Christ to the end of your days, is so terrifying because then you will answer for your corrupt ways of dealing with God. For you have how you've so wickedly been so ungrateful. Come to Christ this morning. Let's pray now and ask for the Lord's help. Oh Lord, we pray that you would truly, for every one of us here, turn our eyes upon Jesus. 
Turn our eyes to Christ, that perfect Savior. In his death, we will find full forgiveness of our sins. In his resurrection, we will find life forevermore. In him, we will become part of your people, adopted as your child, welcomed as your heritage and as your inheritance. Oh, Lord, please open all of our hearts here this morning so that we would all receive Christ and so enter in on that glorious promise that we are your people, that you will never lose hold on us, that you will envelop us and count us as your precious treasure, your precious inheritance. Lord, help us to be so delighted with that thought. Bless all of your people here this morning who are trusting in Jesus. Encourage all of us, Lord, with that wonderful thought that you look upon us not according to our sins and all the ways we failed you, but according to the fact that you count us as your inheritance. You count us as so precious to yourself in Christ. Encourage us all, O Lord, and help us to love you and thank you all the days of our lives. We pray all of this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's sing now and give songs of praise to our Savior.